0: Happy Thanksgiving. This isn't going to be a Thanksgiving message, I guess. But we're going to ask the Holy Spirit maybe to open something up that will give you something to take home and think about if you're eating turkey today or whatever you're doing. I'm going to start in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And if you want to read along or look along, we're going to start in verse 13. So John chapter 4, verse 13 to 23. This is um, should be a pretty familiar story. It's Jesus meeting a woman at a well. Jesus answered. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. A Samaritan woman went to the well to find water, and she found Jesus. And that meeting changed everything for her. It seems that when we are out to find God, that we discover that it is God who is looking for us, and when we encounter the infinite and triune God, our response is worship in spirit and in truth. Let's just pray for a moment and ask the Lord to bless our understanding of His Word. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Of all the many blessings we thank You for today, Lord, we know that Your Word is precious to us, Lord, because it speaks life to our hearts and it builds our faith. Father, I pray today that as we take the time to look into what you have for us, Lord, that you will build our faith, that you will strengthen the foundation stones, and that you will build your church upon the sure truths of your word and of who you are, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story goes that a famous theologian was once asked what was the most deep and profound mysteries that he had discovered in all his studies of the bible and about god and what was the most important thing that you could know and he thought about it for a minute and he says well there's two things you absolutely need to know first of all there's only one god second you're not him <laughs> well i'll leave that with you to think about but throughout history men and women from all walks of life have looked for answers about god who is god What's God like? How can I relate to God? What does he want for me? What are his plans for my life? Understanding the true nature of God is basic for a life that has meaning and purpose. Now everybody has ideas about God. There's probably as many different opinions about God as there are people. And the Samaritan woman we read about here is no exception to that. She had ideas about God. She had opinions, and she wanted to share them with Jesus. And so she asked him a question that's very fundamental to the nature of God. She asked him, were the Jewish people right that you had to go to Jerusalem and you had to go to the temple to find God? Or could she find God on the mountain here in Samaria? That's the question she asked, but... Like Jesus does so many times, he answers the question she didn't ask. And Jesus tells her that she needs to think about God in a totally different way. Her ideas about God are too limited and too materialistic. And he tells her she needs to understand that God is spirit. And this means that God cannot be defined by the categories that human beings create. God is his own category, he's unique in himself. God is spirit, and that means that he is infinite. And he can't be bound by anything that we could do, or wish, or think. And it means that God does not come to us on our terms. That if we want to know God, we need to come to him on his terms. One of the things I think makes this clear is the Trinity. The Trinity isn't something that human thinking could invent or that we could discover on our own. It's what God has shown us about Himself and we believe it as a statement of faith. So this is part three of the series, Statement of Faith, and our goal in this series is to examine our faith, to unite in our faith, and put what we believe into action. Because what we believe will determine what we think. And what we think will determine what we do and how we act. And you have a handout with notes there and questions for group discussion. There's also a space on the handout that suggests that you write out your own statement based on each week's topic. And I encourage you to take some time and do that. Last time we looked at how our faith is built upon the foundation of biblical authority. And today we want to examine the next statement of faith, (coughs) which says... we believe in triune Godhead as eternally existent in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's a very short statement for a very big idea. And it's where we need to begin to answer the questions about the nature of God. From the beginning of Scripture, we know this thing about God. God is one. There is one God only. There is no other. There is none who even come close. God is one and he cannot be divided and he cannot share his glory with another. Now this one God, the Bible says, exists in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In our day-to-day life, we have some difficulty understanding how one being can be three persons. Our human experience is that one being is one person, and that one person is one being. But God, because he is God, because he's spirit and infinite, doesn't have that same limitation. He is one God existing in three persons. That makes sense when we recognize that everything in the universe exists in reference to something else. Every created thing in the universe exists in reference to something else. But God is not created. And He is His own point of reference. He exists in reference to Himself. One being. But then before there was anything created, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit existed as one God. The word Trinity itself isn't mentioned in the Bible. But the truths the Bible reveal about God demonstrate the Trinity from beginning to end. The Father is called God, the Son is called God. The Spirit is God. All exist eternally and equally. All are involved in doing things that only God could do. All are accorded equal glory and worship as God. And when we look at this totality, a portrait emerges. And we see God for who He is. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I just want to point out a few examples from Scripture that show where we see God's triune nature displayed and in action. So in Acts chapter 10 we read, God, the Father, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the name, not, of, not in the names, in the name of We read in 2 Corinthians 13, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, we read that we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. The Trinity describes God in terms of love in relationship. The Bible says God is love. And before the universe existed, there was love in God. The love of the Father for the Son. The love through the Son and the Spirit. The Trinity acts in terms of relationship. The Father sends the Son. The Son sends the Spirit. The Spirit glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. There's one glory. There's one love. There's one God in three persons. When Jesus answers the Samaritan woman's question, he introduces her to the first person of the Trinity, God the Father. Jesus himself was famous for the way he called God his Father. It was a way that showed a very special relationship, a very unique relationship. But Jesus in this Interaction wants to help this woman understand what God the Father means to her. <clears throat> you know, in in the next couple of weeks as we do this series, we're going to talk about the Son of God, Jesus, and we're going to talk about God the Holy Spirit. We don't have time to cover all that this morning, so I just want to spend some time talking about God the Father. First of all, Jesus calls God the Father, not a Father. He's the Father. The Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. As Father, God is the source of everything. Everything exists by Him and for Him. The stars, the oceans, the Samaritan woman, you and me. We all live and move and have our being in Him. For us to approach God and enjoy a relationship with Him, we need this fundamental understanding that He is the Creator and we are His creation. Another way we see God as Father is that He cares for His children. When Jesus tells a Samaritan woman that God is Father, He also means God is her Father and God is our Father. The Father is involved with us in a caring way. God isn't God up there somewhere <clears throat> where He can't see us and He doesn't know what we're doing and He's not you know, concerned about us. God is involved with us in a caring way, every day, every moment, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what is going on in your life. This Father loves and cares for and provides for us, and we can trust and believe that our Heavenly Father will always be there for us, providing everything we need. Oh, there's the Thanksgiving message for you. God is there for us. You know, we used to get around the table and say, okay, okay, kids, name one thing you're thankful about. And that's a wonderful exercise. But because we believe that God is our Father, our thankfulness comes from an assurance that I don't have to worry about anything, that everything I have comes from Him, and everything I need will come from Him. That's why the Bible says, have no anxiety about anything, but in Everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's the thanksgiving sermon. I'm not supposed to preach that today. i got other things to do. All right. <clears throat> as human fathers, as, sorry, as with human fathers, our relationship with our Father in heaven is the most significant relationship that we can ever have. It defines who we are and defines our destiny. God created each one of us for a purpose. The Father has a unique purpose for you that only you can fulfill. Ralph, his purpose for you is to go to Pakistan. Nobody else can do that for you. We've all got our own purpose that only we can fulfill And we can only fulfill it in relationship with the Father. The biggest problem people face is that we have become disconnected from our Heavenly Father. And so we've lost track of where we come from, and who we are, and where we're going, and where we fit in God's plan. We need to get back into a relationship with the Father. And because God is the Father, He makes a way back. That's how we know God's the Father. The Father makes a way back for His children. The Father is God's love in a person. God the Father loved the world this way, that He sent His only Son, Jesus, so anyone who believes in Him can find life and return to our Father. There's a response that we make to the revelation of God the Father and the Trinity. And Jesus explained this to the Samaritan woman. He said, A time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. <clears throat> the woman asked Jesus where she was supposed to look to find God. But Jesus told her that God was looking for her. And He wasn't looking for her so she could come to a mountain Or that she could come to a temple, but so that she could come to a restored relationship with him. When we talk about worship, let's be clear about something. When Jesus tells this woman that she should be worshiping in spirit and truth, you guys all know he's not talking about singing, right? Many times we talk about worship, we think about music and singing and praise and all these wonderful things, and I love it all. But we need to understand that music is only a vehicle of worship. It's only an expression of what worship really is. And worship is really about recognizing, first, who God is, and second, recognizing who we are and taking our posture in a correct relationship of a created being in the presence of our Creator, our Maker and our Father and our God. There's only one God. I'm not Him. Well, that was a revelation when I realized that one day. That started things getting better after that. I want to suggest that one of the revivals that we need is the revival that returns us to worship in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit and truth happens when we recognize the triune God in his infinite greatness. It's a response that honors God for who he is. That he is the Lord. And that we bow before him. It recognizes that God is the creator and we're the work of his hands. This is another foundation stone on which we're asking the Lord to build our faith, to return us to worship in spirit and truth. We live in a very materialistic culture. Our culture is completely infected with the philosophy of materialism. And all of us have been infected with the philosophy of materialism through our culture and through the way people think and everything like that. But Jesus said, God is spirit. And if that's true, that shows the materialism is a fake philosophy. And it shows that he, God is seeking us to be his worshipers. The materialistic culture, if it recognizes God at all, recognizes God as a God that they can keep in their hip pocket for a rainy day. That's not worshiping in spirit and truth. That's not, God is spirit and can't be limited, can't be controlled. Can't be made to do just what we want. We are made to do what He wants. And that's worship in spirit and truth. Even <clears throat> our faith is a form of worship. Just to, because it recognizes God, this is who you are. We believe in the triune God who eternally exists in three persons Father, Son, and Spirit. It's our ultimate destiny as human beings, to be worshipers, to be His worshipers. That's what the revelation of the Father and the Son and the Spirit is leading to. That's the reason we seek to know God in the first place. That's the reason we want to be a people who know God and serve God and share God. That's the reason we want to understand the statement of faith. It's the reason why we want to understand the Trinity so that we can be worshipers. It's the reason that God created us, the reason He sent Jesus to give us a way back so that we might worship God in spirit and in truth because that's the Father is seeking, looking for us. The ancient creed, if you should ever look at it, is interesting because it doesn't start off saying we believe in the Trinity, it starts off by saying, We worship God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity. To really know and understand the Trinity is not just about theology. It's not just about learning and studying a theological concept. It's about experiencing the triune God. It's about experiencing the Trinity by coming to Him as worshipers. The way we best understand the triune nature of God is in the relational act of worship. Our statement of faith is that God has revealed himself in Trinity. But our practice of faith in the Trinity is to honor and worship God for who he is. And we know and understand God as Trinity, and we worship Him in Trinity. We lift up our hands to the Father, in the name of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.